0: Welcome back to the Harden Up Podcast, your show for everything training and adventure related. You can check out our training courses at OptempoTraining.com or on social media at Optempo Training. New for 2023, Optempo is introducing online courses and coaching. Our first three courses include Academy Prep, FTO Prep, and SWAT readiness. Get a head start on your next challenge with tips and insight from current SWAT team leaders, FTOs, and Academy instructors. Find out more at OptempoTraining.com. This episode is proudly supported by Loa Boots. The Optempo team has been using Loa's for over three years for police patrol, SWAT operations, and military training. For almost 100 years, Loa outdoor and tactical boots have been acclaimed for their extraordinarily high levels of quality, fit, and innovation. Boots such as their best-selling Zephyr GTX Mid from their task force collection has set the standard for lightweight tactical boots. We've personally run Zephyr Mids for SWAT work and extended ruck marches and can attest to their comfort and durability. Find out more at www.loaboots.com or follow them on Instagram at loa.professional. Welcome back to the Harden Up Podcast in the 2023 season. My guest today has over 18 years of law enforcement experience to include SWAT, Master Firearms Instructor, and Canine Handler. During his career, my guest took a keen interest in the application and construction of ballistic shields. He later worked directly with armor manufacturers such as First Choice and Point Blank, helping to design modern shield sizes and shapes. My guest is currently the Vice President of Sales and Training at Armor's Choice. Please enjoy this conversation with Mike Ott. Uh, welcome back to the Harden Up Podcast, everyone. Uh, my guest today is Mike Ott. He is a kind of a legend in the ballistic shield and armor field, um, somebody we've looked to in, in the past for training. Um, Ballistic Shield use, um, how to implement it in law enforcement work. So we're excited to talk to Mike today and just kind of hear a story of where he came from and where he's currently at now. So, Mike, welcome.
1: Oh, well, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate this opportunity. Um, Actually, I just, um, you know, I'm a former police officer from Lakewood, Colorado. I did uh, 18 years with them fellas and did all the fun job, you know, the SWAT scene and canine. Um, And ironically, I was the entry shield dude (laughs) yes so so from that the passion developed so i've always thought that you know when the operators are actually using these shields they're so restricted Mm -hmm. right um the traditional method of using the shields back then was like literally holding the shield two hands then you got the cover guy with a with, with a long gun well uh, there's a lot of restriction there. You really can't do all the operation that you really should be able to with mm-hmm. a shield. So yep. the whole world changed when uh, we developed a shield that had a shooting platform. And I don't know if um, you remember, like literally 18 years ago-ish, something like that, um, a shield came out called MUST, M-U-S-T, shield, okay. uh, by First Choice Armor. And it was a silhouette cutout. Right. So you got the two shoulders right. that you can actually mount your weapon, whether it's primary or secondary piece of cake. And that's what changed the whole world. And that's what uh, uh, allowed the shield operator to fight, not only in a uh, standing position, but literally move in all four directions, forward, back, left and right. And then, of course, if you need to, and honestly, majority of the time we teach these guys and, and uh, it's been proven in, uh, in, in combat, they go to a kneeling platform. And the cool thing about this is you keep the same techniques It's very simple. Mm -hmm. You do your traditional wraparound, right? Right. Super simple. And then if you have to bring the weapon in close to you for a close quarter stuff uh, that you don't wanna have the weapon sticking out, well, you bring the weapon system onto the platform so you're bringing that weapon in close to you. Very nice, solid shooting platform. Then you've got the other side that you got this shooting platform. So if you have multiple target engagement, you can go from right to left, left to right, that quick without without manipulating the shield or or body shooting position so having said all that lastly because of the shield makeup on the inside of the shield you have to have a simple handle system a foam pad for your support on the forearm and then the forearm strap system if you have these three components which The old shields never even entertained about that, right? Right. So having those three components, now you're able to do a combat magazine change by slinging the shield, having the forearm strap system hanging on your arm while you have two hands on the weapons to correct it and get back in the fight, right? Right. And then that right there, my friend, changed everything. So... There you go. So what, was, what were you using when you first started in, this,
0: in the LE capacity using shields? Was it square? Was there, a, was there a, a viewport, no viewport? What were you using?
1: Yeah. So we, uh, and I believe majority of the police department, you have to understand, I started police work back in 1983, okay? So I got on the SWAT team after a few years, but we had traditional rectangular shield with the viewport. Okay. Skinny little viewport, yeah. um, and majority of the time is so scratched up you couldn't even see. Mm. And then the worst part of this whole thing is that no training was offered. Right. Nobody knew how to actually engage with uh, with the shield and, and your secondary weapon system. You talk about rifle back then? Forget about it. Mm-hmm. There's no way a shield operator would ever even entertain having a long gun to uh, engage. Yeah. So yeah. What level of shields were you guys running at that point, do you remember? And, and that's another funny story, and it's scary, too. And unfortunately, till this day, unfortunately, you'll run into an agency that these folks don't really understand the level of the shield. So back then, when I was actually carrying these shields in entry, it was, come to find out later on, it was a level 3A which means that's basically your handgun rounds, Mm -hmm. right? 940, 45, 350, 7SIG, 44 Magnum. So uh, unfortunately, when we went into operations, you had a a situation where the guy was armed with a rifle. Well, that rifle round would have gone through that uh, um, handgun shield like butter.
0: Yeah, so we're seeing that too in our classes. People come in, we ask them, Mm -hmm. hey, what are you guys running? Do you know the capabilities? Oh yeah, we all have rifle rated shields. We have them turn them over, they read the ASO NIJ ballistic capabilities, and they come to realize, once we give them the spreadsheet of rounds they stopped, that they were
1: always running pistol. Exactly. Kind of scary. Very scary. Yeah. And that's where uh, guys like you, uh, a wonderful trading group, uh, they need education. Right. And it doesn't take much, but they need to know what level stop, what type of rounds. So when they go into battle, they'll, they'll understand.
0: Yeah. Yep. So you were running rectangular shields, little viewports, 3A, just the handle. Because when I first started, that's all I had either, was just the handle, no strap, square shield. Right. And then you had some kind of input on a shape, or how did you get involved in that?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, I don't even know when. I think 18, 20 years ago or something like that. um, We saw the need of, listen, even myself, I mean, struggling uh, to be very proficient with your handgun your secondary weapon. So we, we, we were scratching our heads and I go, you know what? Why can't we put um, like a shooting platform and honestly, um, I did a lot of research on Roman shields, you know Asian shields and uh, So what I discovered and I know most people will Think to themselves. Yeah, that's correct because you know what when these guys were fighting with their spears they were actually resting the spears on side or on top of the shield. Well, there was cutouts. So I'm thinking, wait a minute. Why can't we mount the handgun on this type of a system? So that's where all this came about. Ah. You got the two shooting shoulders, so if I may say, say it like that, because it was a silhouette cutout. So now, my heavens, you can now mount that weapon on the strong side and on the weak side for multiple target engagement, back and forth, back and forth, and it was epic. Matter of fact, let me tell you something. That shield operator, because now they can actually use the shooting platform, they are actually more accurate than your cover. And even if the shield operator makes the mistake of, let's say, anticipation of recoil or jerking the trigger, the mistake is minimum because that shooting platform prevents you from making gross air. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to aim center mass, you're going to hit center mass relatively within two, three inches, no problem. Yeah. So that was epic. Wow. So yeah. does that, did you
0: roll some training out to your agency or did you work with somebody to get a, a shield cut that way? Or how did that yeah, work? Yeah,
1: no. So I was very fortunate. Um, I was hired by an armor company, First Choice Armor. Yeah. So that, of course, they had the money. They had the money for research and all this development. So that's where we got started. And are you kidding me? I mean, you know, police officer, we don't back then we didn't make that much money. We didn't have the funds for that. So yeah. I actually used an armor company for the purpose to um teach our fellow brothers and sisters out here. Um and I I used them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh,
0: but then they got a developed product that came from an end user with the, what you wanted to see in that product. Of course, yeah,
1: absolutely, yeah, yeah. So, so from
0: that time, what did you kind of see develop in the in the ballistic shield world? You
1: know, right. So even back then, um, I think the materials uh, was a big deal. So I think you uh, you can honestly agree with me from back twenty years ago to present. The, the raw materials, the uh, ballistic fiber has gotten so far advanced, right? Right. Uh, and it's gotten much lighter. You don't have to have a super thick shield. Now it, you literally reduce the thickness half and then, uh, even better ballistic performance, right? So, and this is what was happening with all these fiber companies. So over the years, they realized, uh, a woven fiber is not so good because that's what we started with. So if you, um, Uh, expose them suckers to like heat, extreme heat and and coal. Arizona's perfect example. Um, These folks bought a bunch of shields that was uh, uh, made out of woven fiber. And that's all the industry knew back then, okay? Well, eventually, within like three, four, five months, they were soft, they were flexible, so they were done. Mm. So then we discovered, wait a minute, let's go polyethylene. So that's literally, if you don't know what that is, is, just think of it as plastic sheets, just multiple layers of it. And then they press it, they heat, uh, exposed to heat and pressure, and then you get that shape. But what we found was that polyethylene is what kept the shape even with that extreme heat and, uh, and, and cold. Yeah. So there you go. That's what most shields are made of for handgun rated and up to level three that um, can protect you from... A rifle round five five six seven six two thirty nine seven six two fifty one. Now, if you go beyond that, if you have like MA fifty five, the green tip that I think everybody knows, mm-hmm. now you have to go with a level three plus. So that means you not only have polyethylene, but in front you have to have either two properties, uh, some kind of metal and or ceramic. Mm. Okay, that's what's going to stop that. Then, if, of course, if you go uh, to an armor piercing. Round, then that's where the level four comes in. And again, same property has to exist as level three plus. Got it, got right? it. Yeah. yeah.
0: So when you started in your time and you saw level three uh, shields, what kind of weight are we talking about back then versus now? Can you kind of oh, give some comparison? Heavens,
1: yeah. So don't quote me on this. Sure. But, uh, but back in them days, level three, a typical twenty-four by thirty-six inch shield. That's pretty average, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that thing weighed about 40 to 45 pounds-ish. Wow. Okay? Yeah. Now, you take that same size, but with, obviously, better cut, right? So you can have the weapon platform, and that uh, honestly reduced the weight because you're getting rid of some of the uh, excess weight uh, because you're cutting the materials out. Now you're looking at maybe 30 pounds, maybe 30 pounds uh, on a 24 by 36. But if you go smaller- the level three, the 20 by 30 inch, and I think you have quite a bit of experience that on the range when you teach. Yes, Them bad boys, I think they only weigh about maybe 20 pounds-ish, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, so, oh, come a long ways. All of these manufacturers have done tremendous amount of um, R&D, and, and, and here we are. Here we are with a, the, the best lightweight shields now you can give to the, not only law enforcement, military, now they can actually fight with these shields with both weapon platform, piece of cake.
0: Yeah, yeah. Piece of cake. So I know years ago there was just kind of a urban legend or just maybe a rule of thumb that if you saw a shield, you didn't know what level of protection it was, but you saw that it had curvature to it, it was going to be pistol only. Because uh-huh. they couldn't get the rifle-rated material to be curved, it was always flat. Is that still the case, or has that changed?
1: No, that's changed. Because honestly, rifle-rated shields um, doesn't have to be flat anymore. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what's really going on. These manufacturers will have a flat shield for rifle-rated because it's very uh, easy and cheap for them to manufacture because it's flat. Okay. When you start getting into curve they have to do the mold uh, when you start getting into a v-shape you know like the phalanx and aspis. yes um, when you start getting into v-shape okay that drives up costs more but it can be done because there's a couple of ways of making these shields uh, and plates same thing uh, you can either put it in the oven with a vacuum bag and or autoclave so uh, because of the the tremendous amount of um, the pressure and heat that, and it's it's science, right? Uh, It's the formula that they have, um, that that is introduced to these shields with those curvature and the V-shape, they can actually do that for rifle-rated shields. No problem. So no longer now, they can be curved. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. So if the manufacturer tells you, well, we can only make flat shields for rifle-rated, all that means, Quite frankly, is that there? That's a cheap way out for them. Yeah. Because it's really easy for them to make a flash shield. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. So on the uh,
0: the operator side, you talked about now with these cutouts, there making it easy to go from primary, secondary, use kind of both sides of the shield. What are your thoughts on using a primary a rifle system on a shield as far as accuracy versus just sticking with handgun only for, due to weight and platform
1: in one arm? What are your <laughs> thoughts on that? Oh, you know what? One hundred percent. Absolutely, uh, I'm going to agree with this statement, what you just said. Uh, If you ask me, a shield operator should always um, uh, be engaged with primary and secondary. They should have both weapons, right? Mm -hmm. That's number one. Number two, if you have some type of, uh, let's say, distance that you need to be somewhat precise and actually very precise, then... The shields with the shooting platform allows you for an operator to get into that kneeling position not standing, right. but kneeling, and putting that uh, primary weapon on that shooting platform, either one knee down, both knees down, and either one hand on the rifle or two hands on the rifle, those are all the different configuration. They are all super accurate, mm-hmm. super accurate. Now, if you want to do that with your secondary weapon system, you can do the exact same thing. You put that secondary uh, either in front of the trigger guard, bottom of the trigger guard. You press that into that shield on yep. the cutout, two hands on it boom, you got a very nice, accurate, stable shooting. Yeah, right. Yeah. So over the years
0: of training folks, I know you you developed some kind of techniques, train a lot of people. What were the biggest mistakes you saw new operators when they started using a shield? What were the biggest mistakes firearms related wise?
1: Yeah. um, I would say, honestly, muzzle control. Mm. Well, if you really think about it, you're giving them a a big old piece of uh, product shield (laughs) that's usually 24 by 36, and it's very awkward for them. So they have um, trouble at times um, handling the secondary weapon system with just one hand and manipulating everything with the other hand for the shield. Right. And especially when you have malfunction and you have to manipulate that weapon. Uh, I know you guys teach both hands on the weapon uh, to for emergency reload or combat reload. Um, I know you, you teach that, yeah. right? So. Uh, having said that, a brand new person, it gets confusing for them. Right. But I bet you found out within literally 30 minutes into this, and and you repeat this drill over and over again, they're dialed in. Right. Right? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that is honestly the best way to teach folks two hands on the weapon system. I think, as you found out, for emergency reload. Yeah. But if you have uh, a time and luxury... There's absolutely nothing wrong in the shield operator to say, cover, take the knee, invert that shield, release the handle, get both hands in the weapon, fix that weapon, and right. get back in the fight,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah, baby. So manual arms yeah. is basically what you're saying is like, they don't have enough reps or any kind of... Uh, experience bank to draw on to to fix everything until they get the
1: training and the reps. Correct. So I think uh, you'll also find if you have a very proficient um, uh, person that handles that weapon very well, super easy for them. It really is. You you can tell them and demonstrate for them maybe once or twice and they get it. But when you take a brand new person um, uh, for, let's say, um, uh, patrol use. Right. Okay. But, and that's a big deal right now. Right. right? Yep. Which is, <laughs> it has to happen. So, patrol shield program. So, you've got, uh, uh, somebody that isn't as farm, uh, efficient as the SWAT guy. Yep. Uh, yeah. It just takes them a little longer, but sure. they'll get there.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, now, in the more modern times, you're saying there's two different size shields that may not be available, have been available back when you were first starting out, right? You just had one size, it sounds like? That's correct. Out. So now moving forward to the, the two size shields, do you
1: find that there's applications for the bigger one versus the smaller one? Oh, absolutely. Man, I think every operation, you really need to have both sides, honestly. So the, 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 the typical uh, size on the shield is 24 by 36. We mentioned that. That's cool. Uh, then also you need a smaller shield for little uh, close-quarter stuff, right? Um, uh, or or maybe clearing the stair- stairs. Um, so that typical size is 20 by 30 inches. And, you know, every manufacturer has different size cuts and whatnot, but... That's a general rule of thumb. Right. And they should all have some kind of shooting platform.
0: Yeah, right.
1: They really should. Yeah. And and I know you know that.
0: So we're using both sides. On our current SWAT team, we're using the larger uh, size shield. We're using the smaller ones. We've now pressed that into CQB. Active Shooter, and even HRT. Absolutely. To just close distance, gain the time because it's mobile cover. Absolutely. And now, we, we, which we, in the past, we never explored that. Yeah. We're like, it's a shield. We can't take it in the house. It's not, it, that's not what it's for. Correct. And we kind of like, you know what? I think, with, especially when the smaller ones came out, why don't we try this and see? Yeah. Let's pressure test it on some force on force. Let's see if we can get closer to the problem to solve it. And man, it really worked out really well. Yep. yeah
1: absolutely man yeah
0: Yeah, you're speaking my language yeah Yeah. yes yes man (laughs) so ballistics have improved weights improve types of shields improve where do you see the future of ballistic shields going where do you see kind of like the whole kind of that the technology going
1: um i see it getting lighter even lighter than what it is right now yeah Uh, i think that's the biggest thing because quite frankly i don't care how great you think you are as a shield operator Um, You can only last so long in an operation, right? So uh, now to combat that, um, I know you guys teach um, in a long operation all the wonderful techniques. You tell these uh, operators, look, you don't have to be in a standing position with that weapon up there the entire time. You know, be smart about this. If you have the time and luxury, there's nothing wrong in going to a kneeling position and resting the rifle on the shooting platform, and you just relax. Yeah, just relax. And this is how you can, uh, you know, the duration of the operation. You can just go maybe an hour, maybe two hours, not a problem. Yeah. Now you've got uh, other avenues too. If you don't have. Uh, the dolly system that you can hang shields, you know, the two shields in the front and one small one in the back for big, long operations. Well, you know what? Use that technique. Mm -hmm. Take the knee, take all the pressure off, relax.
0: Yeah. So the dolly system, for people that don't know what that is, um, more of like a a rolling bunker to to give people an idea, Um, a, a large piece of cover that you can roll up to a problem, get closer and operate from behind. So... Did bunkers exist back when you were doing SWAT operations?
1: You know, they did. And I mean to tell you, it it took like two, three people to just move a panel. Yeah, right. For heaven's sakes. And and you can forget about uh, rolling that thing over the curve. Or if you have a little step, you know, that you have to get to the next landing, forget it. You literally had to have a flat surface for that to be effective. So it was uh, very limited in what it can do. Does it offer the best protection? Absolutely. But you can't move that thing where you you need it. So now uh, some of these companies have a dolly system that you can hang uh, two shields in the front, overlap for uh, very, very fast protection. And then the smart ones will have a smaller shield in the back for that really fast deployment. So let's say, give you an example, they come up to a bottom of the staircase and they really need to uh, clear that stairs all the way up to the top before they actually move the equipment up to the top floor, right? Yeah. So, well, take the two-man team, get that small shield, peel it off from the back, clear the staircase, get up to the top, post, and then give the signal to move the rest of the equipment up. Right. Okay, so there you go. Yeah. It's super simple.
0: Yeah. yeah. So that's changed a lot too, because I'm used to the old heavy-duty bunkers yeah, that yeah. took I don't know, maybe six pieces to put together. By the time it was set, you could put three guys back there, but it was so wide you couldn't get it down certain hallways or walkways or curb lines, et cetera.
1: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So now the current Dolly system that, uh, well actually we have it, um, now you can turn that thing on a dime, 360 degrees. I don't care if you're on a flat surface with concrete, that's easy. Yeah. Now uh, I'm I'm talking about a, a more difficult surface like grass. Carpet, yeah. gravel, yes. dirt. So if you're able to twist uh, 360 degrees and actually engage and hit your, um, uh, your targets in, in that manner, then you're gold. Wow. Uh, then you're gold.
0: Wow. Yeah. So you mentioned a little bit with the company. So now that you, people know about kind of your background, the law enforcement, the First Shields, shapes, development, uh, first choice armor. What are you doing these days in the, in the industry?
1: Yeah, so um, uh, I work for Armors Choice. It's a Canadian-owned company and I um, absolutely love the owner. He's just a, just a kind gentleman and um, he is known for hard armor. Uh, he developed a resin that absolutely <laughs> makes all the hard armor lighter and the ballistic performance crazy. And then because of him, um, uh, I developed another uh, uh, well another invention, uh, the dolly system. So that's yeah. what we're going to teach now. Very cool. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Great. Very excited. about. So it.
0: what's the future for you guys? What do you guys have planned down the road? What's, what's it looking like for you for the next couple of years?
1: Yeah. So uh, again, I think every manufacturer, honestly, their goal is to make it as light as possible and with better ballistic performance. Right? Yeah. I think that's the main meat. Uh, of any armor companies, and and Jack is no different. But what he has over everybody else is this crazy resin that he developed. That is what that is a secret recipe f- uh, for it to be uh, super light. Like the level four shields that we have, uh, the, the the full size, that thing only weighs twenty nine pounds. Wow, that's it. Yeah, I I challenge anybody to match that. I'm more talking about full-size shield, right? It's ridiculous Very light. Yeah. Yeah, there you go.
0: Yeah Good well um, can I, as we kind of wrap up a little bit something more in the in the recent uh, history that, that Current event that basically brought shields to mind was Uvalde We all saw the videos that came out of Uvalde, Texas the mm-hmm. active shooter. hmm Some of the shields being on, on scene and they report coming out from, uh, Texas state after doing the AAR, right. Saying that most of those shields were inadequate for the threat that they faced. Correct. Yeah. So in the industry, what's been the response that you've heard about either buying shields, deploying them, training, what have you kind of heard after that
1: kind of that whole report? Yeah. So I think we can all agree. We just live in a horrible time right now. Right. And, um, The majority of the shootings, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, majority of them are from the rifle rounds, either 556 or 762, the AK stuff. So having said that, uh, there are so many police agencies that are out there right now, very smart. Um, They're actually having a patrol shield program, and they're not um, uh, supplying the uh, uh, handgun-ready shields to the police officers. They're going with a level three rifle rated, which literally takes care of all issues, right? Yeah. So now then people are going to say, well, wait, wait, wait a minute, level three for patrol? That's heavy. Absolutely not. Right. Again, we talked about why, how it's so light it's ridiculous. No. So you can take a 20 by 30 shield that weighs maybe 20 pounds. Anybody can handle that. Yeah. So for patrol folks, um, they're the ones that need it. Right off the bat, not the special units, not the SWAT guys, the patrol folks, they are the ones that's going to get into the situation. So they need that shield. And you know what? What, uh, Whether you're tall, uh, short, uh, skinny, weak, it doesn't matter. You can teach anybody to take that twenty by thirty shield that weighs only twenty pounds and make them very f- effective and efficient with a secondary weapon system. Yeah. When you um, uh, and then once you get pretty good at it, then you can transition right into the rifle program. Yeah. With the shield.
0: Agreed. So yeah. with the training class that we offer, we see maybe a third are SWAT guys and the rest of the class are patrol officers or school resource officers, campus safety officers. We're seeing a lot of them come through. They're the first ones that are going to be on scene, first one to respond. And I think it's good that they finally have, you know, are receiving some training because some of the SWAT teams from what I'm hearing from the, just the, just the community is some SWAT teams don't share all the knowledge with patrol. They keep it in-house where some SWAT teams, we'll we'll share train in-house folks so it's kind of a mixed bag but i agree the patrol people need it
1: absolutely it's human nature yeah. right yeah. yeah yeah there you go enough said about that
0: yeah <laughs> yeah so um we see shield training picking up we see i mean obviously the incident brought it to light uh, but now it's a time where i think that tool is is it's being highlighted for mm-hmm. being as practical as it is mm-hmm. and as important as it is yeah yeah yep
1: yeah. yep yeah, yeah, absolutely
0: Great. So any, anything else that you'd want, um, a lot of officers obviously listen to the podcast, anything else out there you'd want them to kind of know or, about ballistics or anything that they should be aware of as they go forward, either looking for hard armor or,
1: or shields? Yeah, just uh, make sure you pay attention to how the um, the shields and plates and helmets are made, because you know, there are a lot of uh, disadvantages on weak points. So understand that, and I think you should uh, educate your audience on that, because okay. you know well as I do. Um, So look for those. And most importantly, um, get that training. Get that training and become that instructor that will go up to um, the person that actually needs it. And you just grab that kid and say, you're coming with me. I'm going to make you better. Yeah. Stay humble um, because you'll be much more effective by having that kind of attitude as an instructor. So that's my little.
0: Good, good, (laughs) good, man. So what about testing when guys look and say someone fly-by-night company comes up and says, hey, uh, you guys need my shields. What about testing? What kind of questions do people ask about, hey, how are your shields tested for ballistics, things like that? Anything you want them to know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's very simple. Ask for the test report. Okay. Um, uh, Make sure that it is NIJ compliant and then make sure, and and if you want to go beyond that, um, DEA, FBI, ATF, they have their own testing standard and it's tougher and if these manufacturers actually have those testing standards, ooh, you're 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 in the right track. Now, if you want the ultimate, if they actually have military testing standards, that is the toughest. Okay. If they have that, brother, you're set for life. Yeah. That's my personal opinion. Because military testing standard is so Hard yeah. to pass is ridiculous, right? Yeah, and that's what you want. Okay, that's what that's what you want your people to be behind. So in. the military standard versus N.I.J.
0: Is there any like big, big things that people that makes it a big difference? Big difference,
1: absolutely. They put more rounds into it. They they use uh, more harsher uh, uh, rounds. Um, they put um, uh, multiple rounds closer together. Um, um, edge shots. Um, they do all this. Okay. So much, much more than NIJ. Oh, that's
0: very good. Because usually NIJ is what you hear. That's a standard that people talk about in the law enforcement community. Yeah. Good. That's the
1: lowest standard. Got it. It is. Yeah. That's my opinion. Okay. And honestly, a lot of the manufacturers, uh, they, they get the NIJ standard for the insurance purpose.
0: Got it. Yeah. 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 So DEA, FBI, and military being the top tier. Top. Very good. Absolutely. Okay.
1: Great. Man, if they got that piece of paper that has military testing uh, and, and they pass, oh man, you're set. Okay. You're set. Great. No, that's great
0: knowledge. Yeah. So, Mike, if people want to follow along with what you're doing now, Armor's Choice, anything that's going on, where can they find you guys as far as website, uh, social, anything like that? Yeah.
1: Go go to armschoice.com okay that's it um it's a a fairly new company and anytime that anybody needs help like that we're all we're all about it
0: great yeah we're just
1: that kind of folks
0: yeah great well mike thank you for your time um we're here at shot show 23 guys um mike's got a limited time so we wanted to get up here between all his other meetings with other uh, people he's showing shields to but again we thank you and have a great rest of the week thank you very much